Hi, this is Matt Hines, and this is the Triple Bottom Line Podcast. Uh, Let's talk today about making it work on a small-scale vegetable farm. Some of the planning considerations and factors that would influence what your what your plan is, uh, what your business plan is, um, and especially from the perspective of a of a farmer, of, of the grower, the person who's actually growing the food, and one of the key factors is the market strategy and what are you going to do to actually process, distribute, store, package, um, and sell the produce, which, yeah, that's, that's a really important, you have to have some information about that certainly before you start putting seeds in the ground, or at least that will save you a lot of, uh, effort. But then another factor is some considerations about uh, the the space that you have to work with as well uh, is will influence ultimately what the plan is. And look, for, for I'm I'm coming at this from somebody who's going through this process right now. I probably have an unusual way of thinking about this, and it's not universal. I, I, like I barely know what I'm talking about, so. That being said, I I just, um, there's some interesting observations that I'm making as I'm going through the process myself, and I think some of this is is very universal. So, and small scale, I don't know where you draw the line between large scale and small scale. You could probably get a lot bigger than all of the models I'm looking at, but what I'm seeing, uh, what I'm what I'm looking to do is under five acres in uh, vegetable in growing veggies, and actually the largest model that I've really looked through has just uh, one and a half acres being used, and I have models for even smaller scale like urban farms as well. Um, one note off the top with the the basically the larger you get the easier it's going to be to make your money back quicker um, up to a certain point and of course there though the the startup costs the bigger you want to start the larger your startup cost is going to be so that's a that's a constraint you can start fairly small with not a huge startup cost but you're going to be you know yeah limited with how much cash you can come up with up front because there's certain things that you're going to need to buy and if you are serious about supporting the people financially even if it's just a modest wage supporting your workers which any model that I'm going through demands that that's happening um, you know, that's, so that's really important to be weighing into the equation straight away. Uh, I'm looking in Newark, Wilmington, or Newcastle 
townships in uh, Newcastle County, Delaware. And so some of these trends are going to be specific to that, to this place. But I think there are some, uh, some of these, and some of these considerations will be specific to this place. But I think a lot of this can carry over very, fairly accurately no matter where you are. So uh, this is what I've found. You know, land costs around here for agricultural land you're basically looking at $75,000 per acre to purchase. For leasing, we're looking at $150 per month per acre. To start up something that's more on the scale of one acre plus, you're looking at a good $35,000 in startup costs. This is including field equipment, processing and storage equipment, uh, possibly market development, and uh, marketing itself. You would need a farm operating budget of about uh, $2,500 to $4,000 per month. The lower end number would employ a farm manager uh, with a salary equaling 20,000 for the year and it would also fulfill your needs on an ongoing basis with equipment costs and such. Preferably though and that larger number is if you get a market manager as well and you hire that person um, maybe part-time uh, seasonally paid at uh, $1,500 a month which is $10 an hour. Um, that's probably the better way to go if you if you actually have two of two of those people. At least that's the kind of model or, or arrangement that I'm looking to set up for myself. So, so a safe startup cost um, in terms of like capital that you want to have up front. It would really help if you have $100,000. So that will help you for the first couple of years, uh, not only to cover your startup costs, but also a couple of years of fixed costs to get you through the point where, you know, it's, it might take a while to earn some cash. Uh, another way to look at this, and so say, let's say we're starting this farm in the spring and we're going to start selling stuff in the summer. If you look at then the earnings by quarter mm -hmm. for the year 20 or, or, or for the year, the year 2022, you can expect to gross about $16,000. The second year, probably get up to 20000 The third year, you get up to 24000 So if you kind of follow that, and you include uh, you know, what you, you go go a few years down the road. You actually have to go even a safe bet would be 15 years before you would break even on such an operation. Now this is assuming you're you're basically getting no help, no grants. You're leasing or you've purchased the land and. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's all out of your own pocket. But if you get help in any of those areas, then you can break even quicker. And maybe there, there is a more fortunate situation you can find yourself in if you get really dedicated and skilled people working for you maybe you could make that up a little faster but the point is it takes a level of commitment to make this work that it's obvious why more people don't try to do this and it's obvious why though a lot of people want more small-scale farms they want locally grown veggies it's really hard to pull it off so I want to talk a little bit more about uh, a particular model and I want to start like on a pretty small scale so this is what can you do in like a backyard garden or like an urban farm let's say you have like a half acre plot basically and um, this is where you start to look at these factors okay so we have a half acre plot right but let's also consider that the half acre plot is partially shaded so there's some limitations and I have a specific place in mind this is rock the Rockwood Museum model that I'm looking at um, and trying to fit in and like see what we can do what can we do with this space and so you know so we we know that it's we know that it's uh basically you can break it down into you have 20 sections that are 25 by 25 uh it's it's partially shaded and you know so what what can we grow that's the question and uh, the, but the other really important question before we start deciding what to even grow, it's about uh, what can we, how how can we sell it? Who's it actually going to be going to? And uh, I'm gonna this scenario will have it that okay, what we grow here, we're gonna do a CSA model basically. We're gonna give subscription boxes out. And, uh, which is a easy way to look at it because then you can look at, okay, you can standardize a lot of things. You can say that what we're going to do is these folks are going to get, you know, 20 servings per box. And, uh, we're going to break it down so that some months during the, you know, heat of the season, it's going to be a weekly thing. But on the shoulders, <coughs> it'll be one or two times a week. And if you use that model, then you end up doing, I believe, 30 boxes per person. So the CSA would equate to like 30 drops throughout the whole season. Okay, so then now that we have that model in place, we know where we're going to sell it. Then we can come up with a planting schedule and we can come up with a work schedule for the actual farming and there is where it gets kind of tricky but it's kind of fun it's like a math equation to look at all right we want to and you you know with the CSA 
kind of the goal is that you give well-rounded offerings. You don't just grow. You have to have some level of variety in there to make it um, enjoyable for the people who are getting the box. But at the same time, you want to pick things that are not too obscure and not too abstract. You Mostly you want to stick to the, the staples too because at the end of the day, I think most people... They want a tomato. They just want a red tomato or they want a head of green lettuce. You know, this, you can get real crazy and grow crazy stuff, but most people just want want the basics. So this has, uh, so there's variety, but then there's also sticking to things that people will enjoy. And then I guess there's a third factor. It's what things will actually grow well. And that you kind of have to, from my experience, you, you never really know. You might think something's going to do well, but it ends up being a failed crop. And other things just tend to grow extremely well on this plot for whatever reason. Um, we do know in this case that we have partial shade. So we're not going to be growing a lot of things that require super high sun. Um, fortunately, there are some great things we can grow including uh, still all the greens, roots, and legumes, and uh, some herbs will grow just fine under these conditions. So we're gonna focus the boxes on, on that, uh, on, on those crops especially. So then you can break it down like month by month, you can come up with, okay, so I want these boxes to be as well-rounded as we possibly can um, and this, this plan has this, okay, we're going to be doing drop-offs. It's just going to be one time per month in January, February, and March. Because you're not going to have as much stuff. Um, two times per week in April and May. Four times a week. I'm sorry. Per month. Two times per month, April and May. And also in November and December. And weekly... June through October because that's when you're gonna have a lot of stuff that you can be given away but even still you got to have your plan so that you have something to give if possible January through March so what are we gonna grow I think uh, so you can calculate this and you can see what you end up with but like for example I'll, I'll give you an example of what one would receive in their January box. Here, they would get some lettuce mix, they would get a lettuce head, they would get some onions, they'd get a cabbage, they'd get a greens mix, they'd get spinach, and they can you can give them beets. So, that's kind of cookie cutter, but it's still some good stuff um, that hopefully will keep them going through the, through the winter. Now go fast forward to let's say August, because there's probably the greatest variety in August. Uh, this is where you're getting, once a week, they're going to be getting some iteration of, you're going to get 20 total servings of some of the following. There you'll have available spinach, greens mix, collard greens, bok choy, radishes, turnips, kale, chard, lettuce mix, lettuce heads, herbs, leeks, cucumbers, beans, carrots, onions, garlic, beets, tomatoes, and peppers. 
So a great amount of variety that you can have. And you can grow on this relatively small space too, which is pretty impressive. And then, well, the number of people that you can serve on this space is safely 15 person box, but up to 20. So another way to look at this is an easy way to calculate it. I, I've been thinking about spatially breaking things down into 25 by 25 foot blocks um, or beds. And if my numbers are correct here, basically what that means is one 25 by 25 foot area will serve one family for a CSA. Um, so that's interesting. But yeah, and then you, what you see here, okay, so that's what they're going to get in their box for that month. You got to kind of then go from there like, okay, this is what I want them to have available in the box for July. So let's go back. That, spin, that spinach that they're, they're going to be eating in July, you actually will be planting that in the ground a month or two before that. In the, in the kale that they're going to be eating in July, that's still going to be left over from your planting way back in uh, March and April. So there you come up with like your seeding and your planting and your transplanting regimen. And, and all along the way, you can know too, okay, we plant this kale in April. It's going to be ready to harvest starting in mid-May. Uh, and then we're going to maintain it through the end of July. And all along the way, we have to weed it, we have to tend it. And we're going to have regular harvesting so you can kind of get a sense for like, well, and then how much time will that take each week or each month? All of this you can calculate and then you can come up with your work plan. All right. And then you can be just really cranking out the veggies, maximizing your efficiency on the space to grow as much as you can for people. Um, getting as many nutrients into people's homes as you can. That's the idea. Now, I don't want to run too long here, but just to contrast that, another model, which is another specific need that exists, and that's uh, the Newcastle County Farmers Markets, which are struggling to find farmers for their, uh, for their farmers markets, especially the two of them that I'm familiar with, at Carousel Park and Glasgow Park farmers markets and um, so the question the bait and the main question here is okay how can we supply these what if we started a farm we started growing specifically so that we have a vendor for these markets and, wh and what would that look like well so some quick data here let's see yes yeah, so you got two markets that are running from May till mid-November weekly that's 28 weeks on average, based on what I know from what happened on the uh, with the Crans Hill farm at Carousel, basically an average unit sold per market would be 500. So that would be 1,000 average units sold per per week at two markets. In order to grow enough food for that, I'm calculating that you need 70 
of these 25 by 25 foot uh, growing spaces. Another way to look at that is five 100 by 100s or 50,000 square feet or that's 1.2 acres to supply those farmers markets. Uh, your estimated income would be $56,000. Uh, the startup cost would be somewhere between $100,000 and $50,000 to start up. Your fixed yearly costs, which inc includes labor, would be at least $50,000. And uh, so, so that's what you're talking about in terms of numbers. And then from there, you can look at there's there's basically a planting schedule that I've come up with so that you're supplying that you're ready to supply that farmers market with a good variety of good stuff um, from from May until November so that's a little bit on planning for growing veggies which is just one way to look at it the process that I've been going through planning for this and I don't know it's not it's really not rocket science but when I when I go through this process and then I see that it's not really that complicated to go through and it's not that complicated to make this work financially and you don't need a ton of money to start it up I think it's really I just I find it to be important fast facts to have on hand anytime there's any resistance to the idea of getting something like this off the ground and the question of like what's it going to cost if we know pretty well what that is and we, we also know what it will take to make it work what level of commitment is necessary to make it work I think if we have a good planning process we've thought through this then there won't be as many surprises and then it will be more likely to succeed and I because I think what happens is one one example of where these initiatives might fall short is in their not factoring in paying their workers and because they don't they think, oh, we're going to be able to make this work with mostly volunteers. Um, you can't do that. You have to you have to pay people to make it sustainable. And I might be feeling like you're saving some money up front, but in the long term, it's it's going to come down to whether or not the thing is going to be ongoing or or sustaining, or if it's going to, you know, nobody's going to keep it up if there's absolutely no um, support for them. To do the work and another way is another way that things kind of you can run into some trouble if you don't go through a thorough enough planning process and your expectations are not set appropriately that's in understanding just the amount of work that it's going to take to 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 make this happen and if you look ahead and you say okay well June is going to be a hell of a month. I'm going to have to be out in the field 35, 40 hours a week tending to everything and, and managing everything. Well, that's at least you know ahead of time. Uh, whereas if you start planting seeds in the ground and things seem to be going pretty well and 
in April and May because there's not that many weeds growing. And then all the weeds pop up and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't keep up with this. And it gets overwhelming and it gets discouraging. That happens a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's very discouraging. Especially when you then, if you didn't plan through how the money is going to work ahead of time and get your markets established, then you're going to be really disappointed and really discouraged. So it, it's about preventing that from happening setting realistic expectations.